This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. I do are two of the greatest and scariest words ever said by two people who are about to begin a journey till death do us part. Two people who are typically young, two people who are typically uh, have, you know, they've planned out life, they know how to deal with finances, they know how to handle disagreements, two people who understand all of life's setbacks, who understand the struggles that are about to come upon them, two people who know how to bring up a child And really, let's just say it this way, two people who typically just have things together, right? (laughs) That's funny. Of course, that's not necessarily the case, but uh, most people that go into marriage don't have many of those things at all ready and planned or really know of exactly what that's going to look like. Shoot, I got married, I didn't even have a job. (laughs) How about that? Send your children to me for counseling. I will help. (laughs) But you know what? We had love, right? We had love. No, the hard reality is most go into marriage and do not have many of the proper focuses and understandings of what the foundation of marriage is to be. We don't necessarily understand the purpose behind it. And to be honest, we don't really understand the basics of even dealing with relationships in general. But yet we have love, we have excitement, and we are ready to take on and to tackle the world. That's pretty much any young person, right? When I, I remember when I came to Las Vegas, I took my first job as a youth pastor, and I basically walked in and I told the pastor and I told the people there, we're going to reach every teenager in Las Vegas and this is what's happening. And they kind of looked at me and said, you're an idiot, <laughs> Right? Obviously, a lot of sarcasm in in some of those statements, but the underlining thought is that the family, though we have God's Word as a manual, is an extremely difficult thing. We're taking two people born in two different circumstances, oftentimes from completely different cultures and traditions. We're we're having different likes and different desires, and then we're going to put them into one house and call it a family. But yet... This is exactly what God created. God had created all things, and He said it was good. And with man, He said it is not good for man to be alone. He said, I will make him a helpmeet. And after Adam had named all of the animals and everything, all the living things, he had caused Adam to a deep sleep, and he took of the man's rib and created woman. Adam said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Once again, if you've been with us over the last several weeks, we've talked a lot about this, that God created us with relationship in mind, and Adam had no one that he could relate to. So God took out of Adam and made woman. In verse 24, it says that man would leave, he would cleave, and they would become one flesh. Thus, the first marriage and family were given to us. See, the issue or question might be then, what is the family? We see this all the time. What is it to be? Why do we need a series like this? 
I believe with everything in me, we have allowed the culture to define marriage and family and to tell us what the family is to be and how we are to act within it. What the roles must be. And then what we have done is we have attempted to put God into the family somewhere, wherever we can. In much of society, God is a completely foreign thought inside of the family. Yet God is the definer and the creator of the family. See, here's what our homes are to be. Our homes are to be a picture of the church. A picture of grace and forgiveness and discipleship and of a godly love. Our families are to be a grounds for children to be brought up in the nurture and admonition or the the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. That is what a home is to be. Yet our culture has completely hijacked what the family is. See, our culture would tell us that we are to produce the next movie star, the next pop star, the greatest athlete, or the next great sensation of whatever that it is. We are taught that our our lives are to revolve around our children, that we are to give our children what we never had. We are taught that the, the school will educate your children, and the church will do the discipleship and the training of our children. And the list could go on and on and on. I would say so, though some of those things are good, they are not true. See, my job as a parent, my job as a father, is to raise my children and to train them and disciple them in the Lord. It is my responsibility, not the schools, to educate them. It is my job, not the youth pastors, to disciple them. It is not our job to find things to keep our children busy, but to be a place of biblical guidance. Maybe this morning you would say, but I don't have any children. Men, I would say this, it's in God's Word in Ephesians that we are to be the sanctification of our brides as the head of our home. And as we're going to look at some of these things this morning, as we will for the next five weeks, regardless if you, have, if you are married, if you are single, if you have children, if you don't have children, I believe everything that we will look at over the next five weeks will be applied to every person in this room's life. See, last week we looked at doing life together. Why are we here? You belong here. God, in Genesis, when Adam was alone, gave him a woman as a helpmeet, as a completer, because there was nobody for him to be in relationship with on earth. And in this series, we're going to take a look at what's already been defined in God's Word as the family and as a marriage And we're going to take it back. We're going to redefine or we're going to look back into Scripture and we're going to define exactly and discover God's purpose for the family. I just said this a a moment ago, but it is my challenge to you that regardless of your status, single to married, uh, young married to empty nesters, that you would join with me for the next five weeks as we look at the family. And we're going to start in Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3, I believe at the beginning of chapter number 3, as you go through, uh, and really this, this passage could probably be a, a two or three week series or sermon in and of itself if we wanted to, but Colossians chapter number 3, we're going to look at the foundations of 
our lives as believers and how that impacts our families. And I want us to think about this quote, and it's this, if our families are to show forth the eternal love of God, we must have a biblical foundation. We're going to look at that thought throughout the course of this series, but if our families are to show forth the eternal love of God, we must have a biblical foundation. Colossians chapter number 3, I'm going to read just now the first four verses and we'll look through a good portion of this chapter here this morning. Colossians 3 and verse number 1, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right, on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for the day that You've given to us. And God, I'm, I'm burdened for the families of our church, of our community, Lord, I can't help but watch TV, listen to people talk, and God, the family has been destroyed from within our culture. Lord, our culture and the society in which we've lived really goes back to the beginning, but we have always constantly attempted to destroy and wipe out the family. And Lord, if we wipe out the family, there goes our communities, there goes our churches, because where the church or the family goes, so goes so many other things within our cultures in which we live. And God, I pray that over the next few weeks that we would be able to look at this, Lord, from your lens, not just from what we think, not just from what I say, but God, what your word says as to what the family is and how, how it's to function and how it's to, to live and how you've designed it to be. God, I pray that here at Oasis that we could do our part to understand and to know and to grow that our families would be strong, that they would be a focus because you are the foundation. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Again, if we look at this thought, if our families are to show forth the eternal love of God, we must have a biblical foundation. The, the, the title, I guess, of the service or the sermon itself would be foundation. We're going to look at the, the foundation, and then each week we're going to look at different pieces of the family. But the first thought is this, risen in Christ. If we're to look at Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at the foundation. If we take a, a look at any kind of building, I'm not a builder. We have a couple contractors in here. I've worked in some construction a little bit in my life. But if we were to take a look at any form of building, if we were to say this building here, before there was ever a building here, somebody had to draw up drawings. Somebody had to come in and they take soil samples and they do all of the different things to make sure that the foundation of this building is going to be secure enough that it could withhold all of the pressures that would take place in this area. So sometimes that means it's going to be uh, the foundation is already secure, the, 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 the work or the ground underneath is, is pretty good, others it's not. You have to dig really deep and then you have to put new stuff in and compact it and all of these different things. Again, I'm not a contractor, but it's all secure, it's all based upon the foundation. And in every area of our lives, we are focused on and worried about the foundation of our lives, except oftentimes, our spiritual life. 
See, if you were to go take a job tomorrow and you're out hunting for work, and somebody from Kansas calls you and says, hey, we've got this job, you're going to do research on that company. You're going to do research on the community in which you're going to live. You're going to do a lot of things, looking at the foundations, looking at how you're going to raise your children, or is it a safe area, is it an unsafe area. We're going to do a lot of research, and we're going to make sure that this is a place that I could go and live, right? Makes sense to me. But yet, so many times in our Christian lives, we just kind of go with the flow of what everybody else kind of tells us. We don't focus on making sure that where we're looking at has a solid church that we can build upon. We don't worry about sometimes the things that are coming into our homes that are at the foundation. We would say, oh, well, we'll just let that slide. Our children are young. And so many times we allow things to slide and in our lives, as we allow things to slide, what does it do? It breaks the foundation that is been built. See, when they were building this building, there was an inspector that came. And if that inspector would have said, ah, you know what, we'll just let this slide and I'll sign it off anyways. In construction, nobody likes the inspector. <laughs> Nobody likes the inspector. But you know what? If they don't do their job and your building falls apart, who's it going to go back on? They're going to go back to the drawings. They're going to go back to the inspectors. They're going to go back to all of those things. Why? Because they were the ones that let something slide that ultimately didn't build the foundation. But yet in our lives, so many times, we allow those foundational pieces to just go away. And in our homes, in our homes, we must, we must have a proper foundation. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul is speaking to believers and he is challenging them to press on and to not give in to some of the false teachings and some of the many things that are being done at this particular time here. And in verses 1-4, through four, he makes this statement of, of having a heavenly mindset, of seeking things that are above, setting our hearts or our, our minds on things that are above. And this has to be our foundation in life. This is a standard, whether you are married or not this morning, this is a standard for all believers that our hearts cry would be of things above not on the things here on earth and as we continue our study looking at the family we're going to see God's design in the roles that each play but yet every one of those roles goes right back to what the foundation of God in verse in these first four verses of chapter three Paul speaks of our hearts he speaks of our minds being set on Christ. And he reminds us of our identification that we are dead and raised with him eternally in glory. It gives us a glimpse of, of the old man, of what we once were. And it gives us a glimpse of what we are to strive to become and what we are to strive to be. See, in those first four verses, it says, if you've been risen. So it's speaking since you've been risen, if you were to look at all the studies of it. But if you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your affection on things above. And it says in three, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ. If you've come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God's word says that we died with him upon the cross. We've been forgiven. All of that has been put to death. And it says there that when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. We have, we see that, really it's the whole picture. 
And it says in verse 5, mortify, put to death your members that are upon the earth. See, it's those things that brought the wrath of God. It is those things that separate us and separated us from Him from the beginning when Adam and Eve chose to eat from that tree and the fruit there in the midst of the garden. It was sin that brought upon death. And it says that we would mortify your members that are upon the earth. What is that? That we would take off, that we would put to death all of these things, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence. It goes through all of these things because it's those things that are the wrath of God. Those are the ways, in verse number 7 it says, in the which ye also walked some time when you lived in them. That's who I was. I want to put all of those things away. I want, to, I want to put all that aside. I want to put that to death. It says to put off, or literally, this is me taking off. It's taking off my shirt of anger. Taking off my shirt of wrath. Taking off the shirt of malice and blasphemy and lying. And it says to put on. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels and mercies, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. See, when it comes to our families and when it comes to the foundations that we are looking at here in our homes, I know that this is not something brand new for most everybody in this room, but if within our homes our lives as individuals are not based upon seeking that which is above, if it's not based upon everything that is, that is looking upward, based on Christ and what Christ has done for me and the forgiveness and the, the, the joy that is awaiting me and all of those things, if that is not my foundation, then what is? It's going to be all the things that He says to put off. And how do we do that? How do we do that? I'm glad you asked. You're so inquisitive. That's like a big word. In verse 16, it says what? It says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. This is my foundation. Many of us would say, but it's, it's hard. It's tough. It's tough to live a life if you then be risen with Christ. Seek the things which are above. Are all the things that I'm seeking that which is above? Is my mind and my heart set on things that are above? Or am I worried about all of the things down here? Am I worried about work? Am I worried about uh, finances and this thing and that thing and the next thing and all of the things that we worry about? Listen, as parents, we worry about a lot of things with our children that we should never have to worry about. Not because of the internet, not because it's 2018, but because we put those things in our children's lives. I have young children. Four of them. I love them to death. I want all of my children to be involved and to serve and to do certain things. But if my seeking Pleasure for my children runs my family and my life. 
I don't believe that is right. You say, well, that's very rude. How can you? I, I don't. There's nowhere in Scripture that it says, Pastor Aaron, you must provide more for your children than you ever had. It doesn't say that. Our human flesh says we have to provide more for our children than we had. But nowhere in Scripture does it say that. My job as a parent is to love my children, to teach them the Word of God, to help them walk through life according to God's Word, and to disciple them in God's Word. That's my job as a parent. Period. If they are able to play sports, awesome. But if sports runs my home foundation cracked man i'm glad that my kids play sports but we have to guard our homes because my job as a parent is not to just make my children the greatest athletes in las vegas my job as a father is to bring my children up in the disciplines and the knowledge of jesus christ Sports was a huge part of my life. And it taught me a lot of lessons. And there's so many life lessons learned in sports. But I'm grateful that it didn't completely run my world. If you were to ask my parents this morning, they'd probably say, yeah, there was probably more sports than maybe they would have wanted to do because it hurt their pocket. But there was one thing that I always was. There were times that we missed church, but we were always in church. The Word of God didn't just leave because of those things. It's a foundation of the home. The Word of Christ has to dwell in us richly. It has to be the foundation of everything that we do. Have you mortified your members? Have you put to death in Christ's blood the sin that kills and destroys? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? That has to be our foundation. And if that is your foundation and you know Christ is your Savior, then I would ask you this question as we go to the next thought. Is the Word of Christ dwelling in you richly? Is the Word of God your foundation? Are you setting your affections on things above? Is your mind on things above? Is your heart on things above? Are your plans on things above? Or are we worried about everything as what's going on here on this earth? Is your foundation set on him or is your foundation cracked right now is your foundation cracked right now and if that's the case that's okay that's why god says every day is a new day and he read there's a blessing every day that's why there's forgiveness that's why there's confession that's why we continue to press on and then we do it better because we know better to do so we look at that risen above our foundation has got to be in such a manner that we are setting our affections that we are rising above looking at christ the next thought is this if we're going to look at the foundation of the marriage what is the marriage christianity isn't just personal it is relational yes it's a personal relationship with god but in that personal relationship with god i've said this a million times god designed me to be in relationship with others and since that's the way it is the new man is a life that is intended to be lived among other new men 
which is to have an impact into our society. And nowhere should the social aspect of the new man be more evident than in the home. This is, this is one, one uh, commentator said this, this is the single most important social institute in the world. And the marriage is to be a place that Christ is visible because it's to be a picture of Christ to the church. And if we are doing what we are called to do, then the doctrine that we read and study will be applied in our holy living. One of the quotes and one of the statistics that has been out there for several, several years, and it's always been mentioned inside of the church, is that what is like 75 or 80% of, of children that grow up in the church will never step foot back in the church again. Staggering statistics. But do you know why I believe that is? I believe with everything in me, that statistic is a statistic because we were cursing and screaming at each other all the way to church. Then we shut the door. Oh, hey, brother, how are you? God bless you. There's no life, there's no God shown at home. We drag our kids to church, but we don't show them God in home. And when we don't show our children God at home, but we tell them they need to act like God, but we don't need to act like God ourselves because I'm the adult. It's bad for you not to do this, but it's okay for me because I'm an adult. They see that, and when they see that, they get to an age and they're like, you know what, this is, this is crazy. I don't want any of that. And they don't, they're not living in such a manner because they don't, they don't see that in their home. And so many, I believe, walk away. It's not just the statistics that's random. It's because we tell them to do this, but we don't show them this. And therefore, they look at it and they go, dude, that's nuts. You know how many parents... As a youth pastor, I've, I've had people ask me questions and expect me to do something, and I've had to look at them and say, you can't expect me to teach and change your child if you're not willing to change those things at your home. Don't tell your child not to do X, Y, and Z while you do X, Y, and Z in front of him. It's... The picture of Christ, the marriage, is to be a place that Christ is visible because God designed it that it would be a place that, we, that points back to Him. Colossians 18, as we read all of these different things that we are to set our minds and putting off the old and putting on the new, in verse 18 it goes right into, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. And we're going to get into all of those roles and some of those things over the next couple weeks, but we must look at the definition of marriage if we're truly going to look at the foundation. Genesis chapter 2 and 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. The definition of marriage right there in God's word. I didn't come up with marriage. God came up with marriage. Therefore, I can't change the definition of marriage. God's definition of marriage, and this is not intended to be harsh, this is not intended to be uh, provoking and, and all of those things, is that there is one husband, one man, one woman, one life. 
That's the intention of marriage. Not by our standard, by God's standard. Loneliness was not good, is what God said. It is not good that man should be alone. What did he do? So I will make him a helper. I will make him a completer. We're going to look at the roles in the next couple weeks. But women, you were created to complete us incomplete men. And some of you are like, that's right. But God created woman to, to provide companionship. He also said to be fruitful and multiply. Adam couldn't do that by himself. He provided a woman to carry on the race. He also needed a suitable helper is what it says. Literally what that is is somebody that is alike. It is a face to face and alike. Somebody that is like me. Matthew Henry, an old commentator, says this. She was not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 7 says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. I loved this statement. If a man is the head, then woman, then the woman is the crown that honors the head. It's a it's a it's a work in progress. It's two people coming together to be the for the other what they are not. Marriage was born in the heart of a loving God for the blessing and benefit of mankind so that we could point back to him in honor and glory inside of the marriage bed. Hebrews 13:4 says marriage is honorable in all things. His plan was one woman for one man for one lifetime. Let's look at a couple simple things this morning just for purposes of why God gave us marriage. One is companionship. Someone who was Adam's equal that he could understand and that she could understand. I don't know, we can argue that, how much you can understand one another. It's not funny at all, but I'll keep moving. Together! And this is a rough crowd. I'll go sit back there somewhere and just randomly talk. Uh, Someone who was Adam's equal, that he could understand, that they could work together. Together, we exercise faith. Together, we exercise hope and love. We sacrifice and serve one another for God's glory. Listen, I don't know how many times, it's every day really, my wife makes me a better person. That's not just a cute statement. It's the fact. It's the truth. My wife gives me more faith. She gives me more hope. She teaches me in so many different ways. We together are better together. She is my companion. Listen, there's been times in my life where I've not read consistently and my walk has not been what it's been or supposed to be. And every morning, I can walk down the steps and see my wife sitting on the couch reading her Bible. Every morning. Do you know how convicting that is when you know what you're to be doing? It's real convicting. Man, that strengthens my faith. 
That shows me so many different pieces, parts. She is my companion. We serve together. We've sacrificed together. And Lord willing, it's for God's glory that our family points to God in everything that we do. Not perfect by any means. There's physical intimacy. God's design to multiply is a part of that. Being one. Listen, we have four children. Those four children are us. They've made us one. I don't need to go into science. I don't need to go into detail of all of those things. You're all adults. You know what that is. But it's inside of the marriage bed that God's created that to be one. It's not only for childbearing. There's something in a physical, intimate situation between a husband and a wife that draws you closer together. That is why God's Word says that it is for a husband and a wife inside the marriage bed. That's why when it's done outside of the marriage bed, it is not good because it doesn't... It, there's so many other things that come to than just what our country or our culture would say. Oh yeah, just have fun. That's how you're created. We're all a bunch of animals. Do whatever you want. No. God created us specifically for an intimate situation that we would be one. And every time we do that, something is taken from us. That physical intimacy. The image of the relationship between Christ and the church. What is the purpose of our our marriage? Companionship. That physical intimacy. It's also an image between Christ and the church. Adam was put to sleep that his side might be open, that he might have a wife. Christ died upon the cross that he might have a what? A bride. Christ loves the church. He cares for it just as the husband is to love his wife and care for it. Christ seeks to cleanse it and to make it more beautiful for His glory. The same that we as men are to do for our brides in Ephesians chapter 5. We'll look at some of that next week. But it's for His glory. One day Christ will claim His bride and present it to His Father. Man, I don't know about you. Maybe you didn't have this experience, but I'll never forget the day that I watched my, wa- my wife walk through the doors when those doors were open and she came through with the white dress and the veil. I'll never forget. I looked over at my mom. I was standing right here. I looked over at my mom and I said, she's beautiful. I'll never forget it. When the bride was presented to me, I'll never forget it. What is God? God is waiting. Jesus Christ is waiting to present His bride to the Father. Who are we? We are His bride. The marriage is a picture of Christ to the church. Men, we are to be that for our, hus- or for our spouses. That would have, that's a whole other thing. Adam, when he saw his bride, he was joyful. My youth pastor always used to say this. He would say when, when he named Adam, when Adam named Eve, he said, whoa, man. <laughs> he had never seen anything like that. And he said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Now this is like me. She is woman. She is part of me. The woman is one with man in origin and marriage. 
in sexual union, and in their children they are one flesh. Marriage is, yes, a civil relationship regulated by law, but more importantly, marriage is a spiritual and heart, heart relationship to be governed by the Word of God, motivated by love. And this is why we are to leave. This is why we are then to cleave, or literally be cemented to one another, to be one. And this is played out perfectly as we continuously build a solid foundation built upon God's word, expressed and played out as it says there in verse number chapter 3 and verse 14 it says what? And above all these things put on charity. Why do we do all of these things seeking the things? You can do all of that, but if you don't do it and put on love, we get 70 Five to 80% of our families or children never coming back to church because they don't see it in love. They don't see it in a genuine relationship with God. If our families are to show forth the eternal love of God, we must have a biblical foundation. So we must be risen above. We must look at the foundation of what marriage is and we must play that out in love. This simple statement that, that we'll use throughout this series, again, if Our families are to show forth the eternal love of God, which is a part of what we are called to do. We must have that foundation, and that foundation has got to be love. It's a bond of perfectness, is what it says. Above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Put on love. Again, we go back to verse number 12, and we we take that passage those words put on it's literally we're going to put on like we would a a piece of clothing put on kindness humbleness meekness what does it say in corinthians paul says he's speaking of all the gifts and he says you could have all of these gifts but if you do not have love it is worthless it is worthless that we would put on love It is this love that binds us together. It binds our homes. It binds our families. More specifically, when the love is of Christ, love is unifying. This isn't the cool 60s hippie love. This isn't the love and peace that we see on some of the, you know, we just need love, we just need love, we just need love. Sure we do. Biblical love is what we need. That's the foundation that we would love God as individuals and together in our home, God would be the center. It's a foundation of love in Christ. Our homes, our relationship with Him should be shown forth in our homes. That should be the foundation of seeking that which is above, of setting our affections on things above, not here upon the earth. Our children and everyone around us sees what that foundation is. When our foundation is that of this earth, everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. And that's not saying, I'm not saying you can't have fun. I'm not saying that you can't do those things. Please don't don't go home and be like, well, we've got to take our kids out of everything that they enjoy doing. No. But the foundation, what is the foundation? The foundation of our marriage has got to be the love of God. If God is the foundation of marriage, then He desires to be the foundation of Or if He's to be the foundation of our life, He desires to be the foundation of your marriage. And thus your home. That would mean, again, that I am to parent with the eternal love of God always at the forefront of my mind. I am to point my children to the eternal love of God in everything that I do. As a husband, first. I am a husband, first. 
the children are not above my wife. The number one relationship in your home should be husband and wife. I'll just boldly say that. Some of you might get really angry. The number one relationship in your home outside of Christ ought to be husband and wife. One day my children are going to be gone. Lord willing, they're going to serve the Lord as they're gone. But one day they're going to be gone. We joked about that not too long ago in our house. Man, that woman right there is number one in my home. And each one of my children better recognize and know that. The same with yours. Because if not, the foundation is cracked. I'm to point my children to the eternal love of God in everything. As a husband, then as a father. In discipline, how I treat and speak to my wife. In the way that I budget our finances. In the manner in which I budget my time. Everything that I do, the foundation has to be God. And from that flows everything else. Believer, I'm going to ask you this. Is God at the top of your home's priorities? Dad, husband, is God here and then your wife, and then work, and then whatever is underneath of that. Children, wherever that plays out. Where is God in the mix? If God is just a cog in the wheel somewhere, the foundation is broken. God has to be at the top. So when I schedule and my children want to participate in sports, guess what? God is at the top, then we budget the time as to how that's going to happen. If my kids want to be involved in music, God is at the top, then we budget that throughout. Finances, we want to take a huge vacation. God is at the top, how much is left? What can we do? When God is at the top, a lot of things change below. And listen, listen, listen. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. The greatest thing that you can do is walk with God. My family, we have a great time together. I don't need all the other stuff that the world tells me I need. Don't listen to the lie that your kids have to be so busy in everything. Don't listen to the lie that you have to involve all of this stuff. Don't listen to it. This should be one of the most fun places that you come. A relationship with God is not boring. Man, my relationship with God has been anything but boring. I'm just being real. I don't know what's happening tomorrow. (laughs) God does. I'm supposed to go to Haiti in a few weeks. Just a couple months ago, I was reading the news. And they were saying, don't come close to Haiti. I'm going, oh, this is nuts. Are we doing this? Then everything is good. I'm watching them yesterday. Now there's, a hur- or there's a, an earthquake in Haiti. I'm thinking, man, my whole ministry in Haiti has completely changed. We're now going there, and we're going to help somebody rebuild something. I've traveled the world because of my walk with God. Man, it's awesome. I traveled all through college being a complete moron on a trampoline, dunking basketballs into a hoop. My body feels it today, 20 years later. But listen, it was fun. Ministry is great. God is amazing. When you go talk to Paul one day, do you think Paul's going to be like, yeah, that was pretty boring. 
I wish I would have never just followed God. Put God here. Listen, let me challenge you. Many of you look at me and you're like, I don't know about that. I, I don't know that I can do that. No, let me challenge you. God's word says to challenge yourself. God's word, I believe it's in Malachi that says, hey, throw it out there. Test it. Why don't you give me a test? Put your faith in him. Put your faith in him. Is God here? In your time, in your finances, in everything that you do, is God here? If he's not, take the challenge. If nothing else, maybe I'm a moron teaching on marriage and family, but God says that he's got to be the foundation. He's got to be first. So take that challenge. Where am I in all of those pieces? Are my children above God? Are my children above the relationship that I have with my wife? Or whatever that is. And as we go, and as we look at these things over the next several weeks, we're going to look at all of this. What is my role as a husband? What are our children's roles? How are we to raise our kids? Don't listen to the garbage that is out there. Don't do it. I don't care what the news tells you. I don't care what your person, your coworker at work tells you. God's word laid out what the family is. One man, one woman, one life. Period. They can tell you what they want. We can make God the foundation, or we can just continue to go on with life and just add God in somewhere. I'll just I'll I'll help you with this. Adding God in somewhere gets us where we are. I hear it every day. Kids are so disrespectful. They, can't, they don't even respect their teachers anymore. Do you know why? It's home. Because parents don't respect. It's taught. It's taught. It's showed. When we make God the God of our homes, it's reverse of what we're watching every day of our lives. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church?